In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Orange is lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Then Mars face evil's Everybody, I'm Dan Kurtzke. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 465. Otherwise known as a Chad Free Zone for this evening. <laughs> the reign of Chad has ended. The nightmare <laughs> is over. Chad is Chad is having some uh, power issues related to he thinks the wind, but either way he's, he dropped he dropped power a few times in the lead up to this episode recording so he figured it'd be better to just bail and instead of having a maybe a catastrophic fail <laughs> failure during the course of the of recording so though in all honesty if once he had turned the recording over to me if he dropped out it wouldn't have been any different <laughs> <laughs> really unless we had to restart unless we had to restart which we probably would have you know but nonetheless but so dan and i will be doing our best to recap green lantern number 10 it is 10, right? Since I got it right this it is, time. <laughs> it is 10. It is 10. Oh, it's been so long since we since we visited this world. Yeah, oh, I mean, this did get pushed back by like two weeks. It's the first issue of the year. It is the first issue of the year. So in, in all honesty, I guess, since it did just come out, that it's not like we really, it's not like we've been sitting on this. It's not like we could have done this instead of our Spider-Man episode or our movie preview episode. We really didn't have the option. It just, it's just been a while since the three of us recorded. And of course with the holiday break, it just kind of magnifies the the gap, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, as we record this, it came out yesterday morning. <laughs> yep. So should we get into it? Let's roll baby. All right. Green Lantern number 10, written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Chris Cro- uh, Chris Cross, Juan Castro, and Marco Santucci, colors by Mike Atya, and letters by Rob Lay. So last issue, Jon Stewart destroyed the Lightbringer, which is this massive giant being built by the new god Isak. Problem is, all the energy that Isak harvested from millions of people to make the Lightbringer is now free in the form of a god storm that's now expanding and threatening to destroy everything. According to Lonar, the only way to contain the God Storm is for someone to fully absorb its energies. For some reason, gods can't bond with that power. But John isn't a god, just an ascended mortal, which is an awkward distinction that we've seen Lonar make before, but it means that John can absorb the storm before it's too late. As John takes in more and more of the God Storm's power, he experiences visions of possible futures. Uh, Lonar says that in order to fully accept the power, John has to choose a future for himself. Who will he become now that he has all this power? What will he do with it? What will be his, wait for it, future state? Mm -hmm. You see what I did there, Mark? You see? 
Yes, yes, I did. I, and I, and that, that little choice or play on words was not lost to me when I read the issue yesterday either. <laughs> yeah. So John makes his choice and emerges from the storm a changed man. He can feel a connection to the source and feels as though he can see everything in the creation, including what's happening on Oa. What he sees is Koyos, a guardian a guardian the size of a skyscraper with the central battery implanted in his chest and some kind of squid monster attached to his head, trying his best to wipe out everything that remains of Oa and the Guardians. He's joined by the Bright Circle, the sorcerers who could have walked out of their science cells anytime they wanted. Uh, Simon takes the depowered lanterns to the armory, but an attack by Koyos has disabled everything but the mech suits, like the one Simon used on New Korrigar. Joe apparently still has some power in her ring, and she's able to charge up all of their suits and then continue to fight normally as a Green Lantern. As the Lanterns arm themselves, Nemesini arrives with the rest of the Guardians, who are fine! <laughs> Last we saw them, they were all in some weird death coma stasis, but it turns out they're okay, probably because of something Nemesini did. It turns out that Nemesini realized that Koyos was taking things too far, so she pretended to be on board with it while, while actually working behind the scenes on her own projects that would hopefully stop him. Not only did she intentionally send John and the Quest Lanterns away before the central battery was stolen, she was actually the guardian who forged Joe's unique ring and assigned her to the city enduring in Far Sector. All of this was to make sure that there would still be lanterns out of Koyos's reach and immune to his plans. Koyos says that the Guardians keep the universe from evolving naturally in favor of maintaining a status quo where they hold power, and thus they must be wiped out. So it's a giant, supercharged Guardian and his team of wizards versus all of the other Guardians, plus the remainder, the remainder of the Green Lantern Corps wearing Iron Man armor, plus Joe using what's left of her of the charge in her ring, plus reinforcements sent by the United Planets and reinforcements from Earth. Joe, mess, uh, Joe missed her scheduled check-in, so Hal Jordan brought the cavalry in the form of the Justice League. We see Hal Jordan, Wally West, Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman's mother Hippolyta, and Naomi all rushed through one of Dr. Fate's onk-shaped portals. Uh, the title of this issue is Apothesis, or Apothosis, I don't know how to say that. Uh, apotheosis, I think. Apotheosis, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I should look at all the letters. <laughs> uh, but it, it means a culmination, a climax, or the highest point of development, which speaks to both where we leave John in this issue and the fact that this arc is about to end. And next issue is going to be titled uh, Finis Ludo, which translates from Esperanto to Game Over. Except it isn't, since we have one more issue, unless they're going to pull one of those uh, wrap-up deals where like the, the last issue is like a <clears throat> catch-your-breath kind of moment, <laughs> which I hope well, not. Some, something that I actually really, really like is when, and this doesn't happen too often, and it, I see it more often in TV when it does, but where like you, fin, you, you use the second-to-last chapter to wrap up the plot, and then the final episode or whatever is is kind of like here's where everybody went you know like I, I i especially like that stuff in like a finite series where like okay we spent like 
we spent all these volumes with these characters. We f- we finished the story. Now let's just take a moment to like maybe flash forward a few years and see where they ended up after it was all over. Or like I think about how um the final Blackest Night tie-in issue of Green Lantern Corps was just everybody picking up the pieces. Like Isamat flew back to Thanagar and went swimming and kind of punched at the sky yelling, I'm still here while he was floating in the water. And it's like, just like little like care. It's a good opportunity for like character beats and also to kind of decompress and aim characters in new directions for the next arc. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely not uncommon to, to do that. And I, and I shouldn't be so quick to, to dismiss the idea of it because it, it can work. It de- I think it depends on really what's coming next. And again, if it's like you said, if it's a finite series and maybe some, maybe on occasion it, it can be powerful that way. I actually, now that you, you're talking about that, I remember that the original Micronauts series ended like that too. Cause I think they killed, they finally killed Baron Carza for good. Like I think it was for good. I don't know if they ever came because their, their, their second series didn't last very long. I don't think he ever came back in that series. But in but the Marvel Micronauts that they killed Baron Carza in like the second to last issue of the first run of the Micronauts and the second the second issue was I mean the second the last issue was just everybody dealing with the repercussions of that and so yeah I mean and also I mean the title also works too because it also relates to the elevation of someone to like divine status a deification yeah so that's actually what that's the other what's going on with John because of course the the sixty four thousand dollar question would be what what future state ver- what version of himself did he did he choose the sage you know the the warrior things like that uh like a bunch of tarot cards we have to see <laughs> we yeah. have to we have to see what uh even though he may just choose to still be john stewart green <laughs> well let's talk about that because i didn't really i i figured we would get into them more because like we spend a good amount of time with two of these possible futures and one of them you know, I don't know this, but it looked the feeling I got was that this is the future of what we saw of his story in Future State Green Lantern. Yes, I would ex- I would I would agree with that assessment. Yeah, it's like where like oh he comes into this power, he stays in the dark sectors fighting a war against uh, Isak, and it goes on for years, and it's the whole and it, and it's just like oh okay everything. Like it, it cements the idea that everything we saw in Future State, the reason it doesn't line up perfectly with what came after it is because we were seeing a collection of possible futures. Like the John stuff doesn't line up, the Kelly stuff doesn't line up, the Joe stuff, or um um not Joe, Jessica, well, the Jessica stuff lined up perfectly. Right. But, but you're right Hal- about Joe actually, because remember Joe and Hal. That's how Joe and Hal met the first time was because of uh um. And how crash lands and Joe starts reading him the riot act for some strange reason. Yeah, which which couldn't have happened this time because nope. Hal doesn't show up on Oa after the battery explosion until right no. now. Yeah, but um, the one that I'm more interested in is the second uh, possible future because it is <laughs> it is it is a a possible future that makes me feel ve- feel seen <laughs> by Jeffrey Thorne, because this is the one where John's like, well, you see the, the dark sector is behind a barrier made out of hyper time. And hyper time is like little tangents in the timeline that don't go anywhere, but they don't have to not go anywhere. And he basically, he's been in this, 
in this possible future, he's been going into like, like hyper time, hyper timelines of, oh, you know, this character died. Well, I'll just go into a hyper timeline where they didn't and I'll bring them back to the main timeline. And now they're back. And like he brought, that's how he gets back Kat Matui. He gets back. I think it says all of the quest lanterns yes. that died in the dark sector. And we don't see what he chooses, but he does choose. And the question I have for you is, do you think, <laughs> basically, I guess what I'm asking is like, do you think this possible future was shown to us to hint at what he's going to do or to give us a taste of what we want before we don't get it? Probably that one. Uh, it would be real easy. What I found interesting about this issue, and it does relate, it relates kind of to this question, is that this is a very parallaxian issue. If you go across in every, I mean, this version of John Stewart is a little parallaxian and bringing people back and and doing then and, and you know seemingly wanting to make the you know making every, everything perfect. You have Isak who says very parallaxian things about setting things right. And arguably, even the uh, even in the last part of the book, you had that you had you have similar elements and themes with uh, Koyos. He's he's a little parallaxian too in the way he because you listen to some of the things that he says and it's like, well, he's not entirely wrong. <laughs> the Guardians do have a way of messing stuff up. Ultimately, I don't see John. I don't think this would be the. the tr- I mean, it would be really easy to think he might because oh, we could get Katma back. But and on some level that doesn't seem like a John thing to do. John wouldn't, John wouldn't put his purse, you know, wouldn't choose a future just a future version of himself just because it might lead to some more personal happiness as an individual. So I don't think this is probably the one he's going to choose. Yeah, I, I also I agree. Like I I don't think he's going to bring back any of the characters that have died in this. Well. I should say, I don't think he's going to bring back any of the Green Lanterns who have died in this run. And I think there is there is a real-world reason and there is the in-character reason. The real-world reason is because Jeffrey Thorne, has, the writer of this thing, has on multiple occasions in like interviews and podcasts and whatever talked about how he wants death to mean something and have consequences. And he's also talked about how... like. He's basically the exact opposite of me. He he thinks there's too many Green Lanterns and would prefer a situation where, like, if if as many as two of them are in the same place, you know shit's bad. So I th- I think I, I don't think he wants the numbers to go back up. And the in-story reason for it is, you know, John has his vision of, like, oh, look how great it would be if I brought back all of the lanterns who died and I could bring my wife back and bring back just whoever I wanted. And then he's immediately yanked out of that vision by Isak who is ranting and raving about how he's done all of this, sacrificed all these lives to bring light ray back because what's wrong with bringing back somebody who shouldn't have died in the first place or whatever. And I think they're tr- like, they're purposely drawing that parallel between like, you know, yeah, one is more extreme than the other, but what Isak is doing is kind of like a colder and meaner version of what John would be doing, especially since the power that is used to do it 
came from like basically the life force of millions of people that Isak sacrificed. So I think John absolutely is going to spend that power to resurrect people. I think he's going to bring back everyone that Isak abducted, brainwashed, and sacrificed. So it's going to just be a one-to-one, now you're back, here's your power, here's your life. Yeah, I, I would agree that makes more sense knowing taking in all the X factors, but what Jeffrey Thorne wants, what what the story's been about and what what John is about. And plus, you know, plus plus you are correct doing the having the comparison, you know, trying to do the flip side, the dark side of in a way what John was doing, which again, he, he's being he's being parallaxian, but being extremely even like beyond Maybe the worst aspects of of Hal's parallax ever, when like he's literally screaming at John, "You don't understand! I'm bringing them back! I'm putting it all right again!" <laughs> yeah, it's like that's very you know, and even the response, like "You're insane! You've murdered millions!" That's kind of very like zero hour like conversation that's going. And they on. and they went out of their way to remind us, like, "Oh yeah, this guy got all this power came from killing millions of people." Right. Like, I like I don't think they would. Like, I feel like you put that line in to remind everybody like, oh, yeah, this isn't just free cosmic power or whatever. It came from all of these lives that were just like thrown away because somebody wanted to play God. I also like the fact that this would also let John just really stick it to Lonar, who's like, you got to stop thinking like a Green Lantern. Forget about saving individual people. You got to think about the bigger picture. It's like jerk i can do both look ha right yeah that 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 has been the ongoing thing where it's like i basically look listen dude you're not looking big picture (laughs) it's like well maybe i am look or for me this is you know if i had this power this is this is what i would be so yes i'm not i'm not sure if the only choices we're supposed to believe are the sage lord soldier savage i don't know if those are the only literally the only four because they certainly show what but they show what five images even though you can make the case the fifth is showing him as just as Green Lantern, uh, which is probably what is probably what it is. But in my mind's eye, he would probably be a soldier if he's, cho- if he's choosing to be if he's choosing to stay what he is now. He probably would be a soldier. That's how I would. But uh, unless they want to go back to that space cop garbage again and, and do the differentiation. But looking at the four, if if he only had the four choices, I would I would definitely eliminate Savage. I would eliminate Lord and then you would have Sage and Soldier and Owen John. I still think he would probably be Soldier. I kind of hope he has a more complicated answer than that. Well, I like, agree. There, but... Like there's echoes of Green Lantern Mosaic in this where like a huge theme through that series was John trying to reconcile all of these disparate and seemingly incompatible aspects of himself into one single person's life that has to make sense and how like no matter how hard he leans into one it pulls him out of another and like i don't know and it actually hit me like when hal when hal and the justice league show up on oa at the end of for the end of this arc like oh that happened at the end of green lantern mosaic too like not all the same characters but hal and a bunch of heroes from earth came to try and help calm everything down but like i i kind of wish the art in that, like, especially on that page where he's, he kind of says, I see when he looks at like kind of the, the, his options. Yeah. All the options. Like, I feel like that should have been a page filled 
with alternate versions of John. Because, like, there, like, there's, like, a weird, like, time thing happening with him during this where, like, he's focused on absorbing the storm and then his mind just sort of drifts and he's living in one of these visions as if he's always been there until he gets yanked out of it and he's like wait what what where am i who are you what's happening and then he gets pulled into another one like like for all we know during that struggle he could have experienced like a hundred different lifetimes so it feels kind of weird to only see like a tiny handful uh, contrasted against like a largely empty page that is true. And it's again, I guess you could leave it open. Maybe maybe we'll find out more next issue that it could be leaving it open to interpretation, whether these are you know, these are just some of his, the choices that he had or literally these were all the choices. And he and I think you could be correct. He, he his choice could be basically I'm not cho- I'm choosing to be to have all of these in me kind of like hopefully in a much better and a much better story conclusion than this than in Batman forever. But remember when the Riddler made Batman choose based on who he had to save Bruce, to be Bruce Wayne or Batman. And he, and he saved both. And he goes, because I'm Bruce Wayne and Batman, not because I have to be, because I choose to be. So he could choose to be all of the, all these elements are in him. So he's not going to just pick one that he has this power. He's not going to just pick one future in one aspect of who he is. Cause they're all aspects of who he is. Do you think this is why Lonar brought John to do this or like cuz it seems like it's it's just convenient enough that like okay here's a situation where a god could fix it if they could absorb the god storm into their bodies but for some reason a god can't but a mortal who's ascended to be kind of like a god but not officially a god could do it and oh hey look john's body can absorb also all sorts of cosmic energy but he hasn't done it yet so he's kind of empty he's got the space for it like like i'm i don't know like i'm trying to figure out like is this what lonar had in mind the whole time did he know a or, or did he know that the energy from the Lightbringer would have to be, like, eaten by somebody? Like, or is this all, like, everything has gone crazy, nobody has a plan anymore, and this just makes sense in the moment? The reality is it could also be almost like splitting the difference, where depending on how depending on how precise his vision of what was going to happen was, he could have had bits and pieces and knowing piece, you know, knowing characters or John in particular needed to be in a certain place at a certain time, because that's how far you could see, but he didn't see every, all the specific steps after that. So maybe, maybe he didn't necessarily know that, you know, the whole light, the whole light bringer thing was, was had, that it had to absolutely lead to the God storm, which had to lead then to somebody absorbing it or else other repercussions and John would be the only one. Maybe he just, maybe that was a, maybe that was a step that was missing in what he saw that maybe he saw John ascending by absorbing all this power, but where the power came from didn't necessarily factor in, or it could be, it could very well be, this could, could have been where he was pushing John. Even though it doesn't seem like it was based on when he, you know, like in the beginning of last issue, when he, when they were dealing with Isak the first time, it didn't seem like this is exactly what Lornar wanted or expected. But again, like I said, maybe maybe his vision of what was going to happen is not as 100% clear cut. And he just had glimpses or images or things 
pieces of the puzzle, but not all enough to connect everything and get a get it completed. It's tough. Yeah, I hope by the end of it, we get at least one short conversation between John and Lonar, where now that we're over the hump, Lonar doesn't have to be cryptic about what happened anymore. And like, because like, I don't know, it's, it's the frustrating thing that I was starting to bump to like, bump up against for a few issues now that it's it we reached a point in the story where it stopped being a mystery and started to just be you know there are a handful of characters who know everything that is happening they just don't feel like talking about it yes and like that's like that's like we have to get beyond that and it has to be flat out stated at some point He'll probably pat him on the back and go, I knew you could do it, buddy. And then just leave. (laughs) (laughs) Lunch lunch is on you next time. Actually, the artwork throughout the book was pretty good since it's three artists that it's not even. And that's always a problem for me. But there, but some, I mean, but the page where John does ascend is really nice. It's really, Oh yeah. With like when he says like, I, I've chosen or I, I, Yes, I choose, yeah. and then he he goes into what you mentioned about him feeling the source. Yeah, that great coloring. Uh, I think I think Catmo looks really good in this yes. art style. Like I'm not even sure which artist drew her pages, but like there's a couple pages like her head specifically. Like I know the cartoony art style in this series in general has been like a point of contention. I think it works with her because like I think. I think like whichever artist this is, like the proportions are better. And also like, there's kind of like a, almost a bounciness to like her hair and facial features. Like, I think it might be crisscross actually. She's a little extra animated when she's on on, on uh, the page and it just makes her come across better. No, I agree. And uh, it's somewhat ironic that no Tom Rainey, this (laughs) issue and Chad's not here to celebrate. (laughs) But overall, yes, I think in both parts of the story, the art is is overall very good. There are there are some pages that are less effective than others, but I think the art the art is very good. I know we're going to segue more into the second part of this story in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't my general vibe on this. I don't know how I feel about this issue. Uh, I mean, I'd liked the John, the, the seeing the alternate futures and John kind of being pulled out of it by Isak. And I, I did kind of like that. Uh, I don't, it still seems in the, and you kind of, in a way you kind of in the, in the, the way you chose to describe a few things that some things are a little too convenient throughout all these, both, both parts of the story. Some things are still a little, a little vague about, about what's going on. I think that, that bothers me. I think especially it bothers me in the second part. I mean, the whole face, the whole face turn by, but in, in this, when. Nemesini. Uh, yeah. Nemesini is, I, I always struggle to remember her name. Uh, and I, and I have notes, but I didn't have the file open. So that's what I was, but that's, <laughs> thank you. That's what I was trying to buy time for. So I could click, but yes, the face turn for Nemesini, who is clearly being set up because we just talked about this, I think last month, the last episode about this, that she was still seemingly, Everything we everything was pointing to her still being in cahoots with Koyos, and they did, and they, of course they did the kind of like the the flip in the script where we thought she was going to be responsible for the gauntlet, and who knows we could still find out that she is, but no, she's not responsible for the gauntlet. She's responsible for the ring 
and arguably you can you, you could make the case we don't know that I, I guess they don't they don't compl- are we supposed to assume that she's the one who actually gave joe the ring i think so and i do too at, right? at first i'm like i it, really they're doing that but then i thought about it and i realized that you know the guardian in far sector was already shown to change shape so yeah, maybe she was normal size city. right yeah, she she walked up. It was it looked like a normal like five foot whatever human woman walking up to Joe in a in a nightclub, and as they walked down the street, she gradually morphed into a, what we typically think of as a guardian. And it's like okay, so making it Nimasini works fine. It's actually a fairly unobtrusive like retcon that doesn't really change anything about the original story. So it's like, sure. Why not? <laughs> they even like gave a, a a reason as to why all of a sudden this guardian rolls out this, this, yeah, proto- this unconventional ring yeah. prototype. Like, you know, I, I think it already made sense to bring Joe into this book because, hey, she's a Green Lantern that doesn't need a battery when the battery is gone. But they took it a step further by saying, like, actually, that's why her ring was made in the first place, because Nemesini was pretending to to be on Koyos's side and knew the battery was going to go away. And like, I think the timeline even works out because Joe, like far sector, Joe was assigned to the city enduring for a year and Koyos went to Sorcerer's World for a month, two years ago, if I'm remembering right. And during that time, Nimasini made multiple, what like locked herself in her lab for like a, a couple weeks or 10 days or something and made multiple trips to and from Earth. That means during that time, she made Joe's ring and went to Earth at, in that far sector issue. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I I don't have an issue with the 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 fleshing out of the you know the, the best. It could fall into potentially the best kind of retcon, which is just the lifting of the veil, the Jeffcon, as we as I always as it was tar- coined, and and that's how I differentiate between the between the two the jeff con is where nothing you've seen before gets contradicted you just see stuff that you never saw before like behind the curtain yeah, it's like what. we're not we're not recounting anything out we're just adding more stuff yes in. yeah this is what yeah. everything you saw happen this is what you didn't see that led up to that or immediately after yes that's and that's so i think i think that was my interpretation too that we're supposed to believe she was the one who not just created it but was the guardian who gave joe her ring um and the, i guess the reason that the guardians have been in that weird stasis thing all this time, like maybe she did something to them in advance to prevent them from dying when the battery blew. Like I'm, I like the only explanation I had, I could think of as to why they're suddenly okay. And showing up with her is because like, Oh, sh- it was time to turn that off and bring them back out or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree that, she she uh there must have been some kind of fail safer and it depends how how clued in that they were about what was going to happen if, but either way yes i think she was the one who kept them in the stasis that they were in which was better than what the alternative could have been so I, I hope none of them knew i hope they i hope she like turned off like she pulls out her car keys and hits the beeper thing and they're all like back to normal and they're like hell happened here no 
that was all oh, my room doesn't exist anymore. Well, oh, man. Oh, I've been collecting those bottle caps for eight million years. It's like you didn't you didn't tell us what was going on. Lucy, you got some splaining to do. God. I do like the one the one thing that makes me feel good about like the the revel- the sudden revelation that Nimusini is in fact a good guy in this story is that it means she probably didn't kill Counselor Fell, which I'm happy about because I like that character. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, they certainly did. Again, they went out of their way to make to go with the uh, to make you think that she was a 100 percent heel just to have her be face unless she has unless she's going to turn heel again in the, in the next two in the <laughs> next two issues. I, I think Badge looks really cute in a T-shirt. <laughs> I know this is probably. I don't think this is the first time we've actually seen him in civilian clothes because I think we've seen him in another issue. But that one, yeah. uh, that one, that one page in the beginning of this of this of this of this story, he just looks adorable. <laughs> and in his <laughs> tiny little mech suit. Yes, he looks. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, with the uh, with the hide where ye will. That's that one. Uh, that that is. Uh, yeah, he looks just. He looks adorable in that with his little belt. I'm not sure how I feel about. I'm glad. I mean, it's good to know that the cover showing House being involved wasn't just one of those misdirection covers. It's good to see yeah. that actually will show up. It's, they're not exactly sending the A-team Justice League here. It, they're sending a pretty damn powerful one, though. Yes, that is true. I mean, Naomi makes sense based on multiple reasons. Uh, Martian Manhunter. It's 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 not exactly like you know Justice League Newark, but it but. But it's good to see it's good to see at least Hal showing up. So that that that'll be cool. I'm I mean they're sending like they're sending a Green Lantern. They're sending the they're they're literally sending the fastest Flash. Uh, they're sending a a Wonder Woman like Martian Manhunter like Naomi like she's she's new and she's still a rookie. But her thing is basically that she's overpowered. So like and who knows like there could be more coming because like that's a Doctor Fate portal. So who knows. That that is that is true, but we should just be happy that we're getting uh that we got Hal at all. <laughs> um, let's see what he does. Let's see how much how much he gets to shine. No pun intended. The artwork was pretty solid, especially with the Koyos. That was he was he was drawn oh, yeah. pretty impressively throughout the second part of this story. Uh, it's interesting to see that at least in this part and this issue, you know, the Guardians are pretty much useless. Like we haven't seen that happen before, but I I do like I do like the sor- the wizard sorcerers all like looking like elementals. I do and being different colors. I thought that was kind of an I, I like yeah. that look. Uh, again, I think a lot of stuff in the second part of the story is a little too convenient about things. And speaking of, it's like it's good to see Kelly's been doing so much the last four issues. Now we know <laughs> she's got to have this big dramatic return, and probably at the end of next issue. So she, or depending how they tell the story, of course, assuming the last issue isn't an epilogue. But if it, but it's like man, she's been on she's been on cold storage for a while now for someone who was being, and we know that it's gonna they're gonna well we don't know we assume they're gonna do something significant with her since her gauntlet was this big point of contention in the beginning of the story, but it is weird that she's been on ice this whole time. I think she'll I think they're saving her to be like the last big reinforcement coming in because like she's got an insane amount of power. And this like all the good guys in this in this fight are this big hodgepodge of like 
let's scrape together everybody we can and it probably still won't be enough because like we like we keep focusing on um, Koyos but like he's like an overpowered guardian juiced up by the central battery and again he's got what four sorcerers backing him up like there's like there's like just the magic in play alone is enough to to kind of nerf a lot of what what uh the lantern side can do so i think kelly showing up getting like the last minute save because she has just like that much brute force behind her would probably make sense yeah and again because she's not drawing power from the central power battery yeah, that maybe maybe what it, maybe her power can help offset some of some of Koyos's and or maybe be able to get the you know just pull the central battery, a la Alpha Guardian pulling the yeah. central power battery out of this jabroni so they can uh, get down to business and deal with deal with them on a more level playing field. And of course, oh, we God. know we know John's coming, so obviously John's going to be a, a a more more um more than a leveler you would think tilting the odds in favor of the good guys. God, do you think somebody rips that battery out of Koyos and that's how he dies? Would be cool though. <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think that squid on Koyos's head is like it, it like is is the bright circle controlling him? Is that a mind control squid? I don't know if he's being entirely mind controlled. I think cuz he meant well because don't forget he was kind of screw last issue he was planning on screwing them over too right so he's i don't i mean they may have influence on him but i think he's just corrupt i mean he's the one who basically is telling you that well actually no it was in the first part of the story but i guess you could he could carry it over to the back with the common themes about how everything's corrupt right doesn't isak say that that every everybody's corrupt <laughs> so yeah. i think i think he he just he koyos just has this worldview and again like i said there's that it's you can look at some of what he's saying and and it's hard to argue that he doesn't have a point about, you know, this, you know, the source means for the universe to, to live, to evolve. And he sees the guardians basically as the roadblock to that. And that's why they have to be removed. That's why it'll be an interesting contrast, I guess, with John, since obviously John is now evolved and you can't. And so it'll be, I do, I do think he's corrupt, corrupted by whatever on his head. So from, from the magic world, I just don't know if they are actually controlling him or he's just kind of it's just been a, like almost like a hesitate to say that word, like a parasitic uh, effect on him where it's. Uh, hey, we haven't seen parallax in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Any Cause of when I Because when you look at the first the first page of this of uh, the OA part of this, it's a shot of, like almost a top down shot of like Koyos with that creature on his head we still don't know what that creature is there for and but like the 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 dialogue being yelled booming through the city is coming from uridian and the bright circle right and like them saying them saying heed your master ye thieves and slaves your time and light is done while koyos is like rampaging like a monster with his eyes all greened out and this living thing attached to his brain almost like it makes me think like okay so we know that he went to the sorcerer's world to make a deal with them and the deal was like hey help you you go to oa do your thing i will i'll do my thing and if it and if it works out i'll 
help you get the star heart. And obviously that didn't work out. He double crossed them or whatever, but we didn't. And then, and then the next thing we saw was, okay, new plan. We shoot him with a magic arrow and fake his death. After which we don't see him until he emerges from, from uh, the shadow vault with this thing on his head. So maybe he double crossed them. So they double cross him right back and put this squid on his head. So now they're, they're uh, dr- they got their own guardian to boss around and use him to destroy his own people. It is, that is a possibility. If you listen to some of the things, the conversation between Nemesini and Koyos, I mean, it's, it, it is, it is, so, it is somewhat, somewhat interesting uh, that try to figure, to try to figure out whether, again, whether this is Koyos's own worldview, maybe corrupted or whether it's, partially his own worldview but he's been but being controlled by you know by by magic essentially i don't i don't know it's i think it could go either way i do i would suspect he's in control at least he's not a pure puppet i think he's at least in he's controlling a lot of his own actions but oh no like like a lot of the things that he's saying do line up with what he's we saw in those guardian records of him like talking about how like you know the universe needs to evolve naturally this is like a more extreme version of it but his dialogue also peppers in lots of things that we've seen the bright circle say and also things that we've seen the new gods say like there's a part in here where koyos just just yells the source means for this universe to live and evolve is meant to be a dance of magic and matter and joe even stops and says like did he say magic i don't know i feel like i feel like it's his beliefs being turned up to 11 and then throwing him out there to wreck everything. It, that certainly is possible. I it, it could also just be where now that he's no pun intended, seeing the light, seeing what, what the, what magic is touching magic, feeling magic and understanding or viewing magic as a, you know, as a living, breathing thing, if you will, that, that has, changed his world or cemented what he already believed and then like you said that could be why it's dialed up so when he's yelling like we are the rot at its core we are the blight this universe must be cured of us that that you're right that could be taken that could be him just like reflecting about everything that they've done and and who they thought they were and it's like wow you know we're the ones who really are making a mess out of this especially when you when you look at it from the other side or if he is being controlled by like a, like a, like a living being or representation of magic, almost, almost like the star heart itself, then you could understand why that, that could be pumping those thoughts into him. And he's just expressing it in a way that is not saying that, that like you have to be destroyed instead. And instead he says like we, because he still thinks it's his own thought, but it's really being jammed in there. It's like, he's not, he thinks he's, these are his own individual ideas or beliefs, but they're actually being jammed in there by another something that has a bigger dog in the fight or wants really believes. Yeah. I don't think there's any version of this where they pop that squid off his head and he goes, Oh my God, what have I done? Like I think I, cause like it's, it's still an extension of like what he thought had to happen, but he probably, he, he probably wouldn't have mowed down a city to, to, to do it, you know? Yeah, I agree. But you're right. I don't think they're going to either pull a combination of ripping the thing off his head and or pulling the battery out of him. It's like, man, 
Hey man, what's up? <laughs> Lunch is on me. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I am curious how they're going to resolve all this. I don't know if it's going to be how satisfying it's going to be, but I am curious to see how they're going to do it. Honestly, I'm more, I'm enjoying the fight. I'm enjoying the action scene. I'm so looking forward to when it's over and characters can just talk to each other. Cause I'm like, like we still, cause we still have to like, like at this point, I have to believe John is powerful enough to just bring everybody he wants back to Oa just like that. But like the question is like, okay, well he he still has to, Isak has not been dealt with. And also there's a matter of that barrier. And also he should probably resurrect all those millions of people. And like, like, okay, like what, how much power does he have to work with here? And like, there's also the time difference also because like it's been it's been what I, I don't even remember now. It's been like between six months and a year from the Quest Lantern's perspective. Whereas on Oa it's been like a week or something. <laughs> yeah, you would think at some point they're gonna have to reconcile that, but maybe but uh maybe his ascension is gonna make it easier to differentiate or to correct the discrepancies in the, in the timeline or the perception of time. Yeah. I hope, I hope they tell us like why the time dilation matters or like maybe it was just, maybe it was just because like that would allow Isak to harvest more followers faster, I guess. Uh, but except that from his perspective inside the barrier, it would still be normal flow of time. Just, it would be faster from the perspective of the rest of the universe outside of the barrier, which again, is he trying to resurrect light ray to, for a specific purpose that he has to hurry up? Like, I don't, I don't know why the barrier is there. Yeah. Or is it just to keep anybody from interfering? Is it something that similar that that's simple, but if it's that simple, then you wouldn't need the time thing unless you you're super concerned about them catching you. So you want to finish faster. I don't know. It goes in circles. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that sums it up nicely. I don't, there are certain aspects of this where we don't, we don't know what the how it's going to resolve itself. We don't know. We also don't know how much of an explanation we're going to get. We could we could not we could get almost next to nothing in some of these uh, minute like the minutia of all this and these fine you know these fine details. We may not get nearly as much as we would like in this. It's like oh, it's a story for another day. <laughs> and we know those days never seem to come enough. <laughs> Oops. I think we're still waiting on that uh that Rage Kitty Valentine special, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe during the uh second reign of the Dio and Jeff Johns, maybe that'll happen. Oh yeah. No, no the he'll retrofit it. He'll loo- he'll loosely veil it in uh in uh a new arc of Geiger. <laughs> Just a radioactive cat that hates everybody. Yeah. Who knows? God. But yeah, but as we know, there's lots of lots of stories and story threads that have never been picked up on. So, and even if even if Thorne has another you know, one a second full year on this book, it doesn't mean that we'll get every answer to some of the questions that we had. We don't know what what he wants to tell us. So that's we'll have a, obviously a issue <clears throat> issue eleven. We'll have a better idea, I think, of how 
how many mysteries are going to be left hanging. I'm looking for because he um he did for a while there. He was doing issue by issue breakdowns on his blog or his uh God I can't remember what it's called. But he he, he he no it was some uh, it was some like normally paywalled social media thing, but it was a non paywalled blog where he was doing issue by issue breakdowns of his Green Lantern run. And at a certain point, he said, "I'm just gonna stop now until the arc is over." <laughs> because like at a certain point you can't talk about why you did stuff without saying what it leads to so we got like another two issues before he starts breaking down these issues again i'm very curious about a few things that is true it is it will be interesting to see how how correct how wrong we were how how close we were even if we were wrong how close we were for certain things uh and how much of the misdirection how, how much of the stuff we thought was misdirection actually was, how much of it really wasn't, but it was, re- you know, fully related to the plot. And- well, I had this moment where I was reading this issue and like one of the, th- one of like the ideas that I had guessed and detailed out ended up being one of these visions of a possible future. I'm like, oh man, I almost got it. And that's definitely not going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> so close, so close. <laughs> can i tell you the one thing the one part about this issue that bugged me the most was uh like i look and i looked back last time to the last issue just to check this i thought joe's ring ran out of power last issue and there's no there was no percentage or no like air message from the ring saying like it's like the power was gone now or whatever but it was that thing where you know we had seen her getting progress like progressively lower throughout the arc. And then she falls out of the sky last issue. And after she hits the ground, her uniform dissolves, which is usually the visual language for, uh Oh, the ring ran out of power at a bad time. But this issue, she just suits back up and has enough power left to pap- to fuel a fleet of mech suits and then go fight normally as a Green Lantern. And I look back at like the issue where where uh, she and Simon are flying to New Korrigar and in Green Lantern number six. And she said that powering up Simon's suit and the hyper and doing the hyperspace jump to reach New Korrigar brought her down to 57 percent, which makes it sound like, oh, man, that was a that took a big toll on her on her ring. But. To be fair, we don't know that she was at 100% before that. So, you know, how much of a drain did doing those two things really cause? And and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you other otherwise, like, why would you have, like, made her costume disappear last time? And it's probably just me, like, fixating on this one pedantic little thing. Because then I'm, I even double-checked. I'm like, because she recharges by, like, just waiting and not using her ring and it's been like minutes and i look back i'm like okay so far sector number four told us that like okay when joe was at eight percent it would take five days to fully replenish meaning that maybe she would get around 20 percent per day as long as she doesn't actively do anything but th- this story is ha- actually happening at a really fast pace when you really look at it so i don't know i think i'm making a big thing out of nothing but it's like it's like wait why does she still have that much power? What's going on? See, I 
I never really thought that her that she was drained. I know I didn't say it last last time, but I didn't really think her ring ran out. But it but it also, like you said, it didn't make a lot of sense on the surface why she would be forced to basically not to lose uh, her power, quote unquote, why she would go back into civilian clothes. I'm I'm going to assume it was just the force of the attack or the suddenness of the attack and. And maybe the the use of the magic, along with obviously the return of Koyos and everything else, I think that might have been the combination that basically shocked her back, literally knocked her, to, knocked her, you know, knocked her to earth, knocked her to the ground, and then, and then when she regained her senses and realized what was going on, then she was able to, uh, she was able to power back up again. But I, but I did notice that in the issue when she's, you know, she's when she's using her ring to charge all the all the green lantern iron man suits i love the i like the explanation of like yeah we went to the armory but everything's fried because like right before that koyos like lets out a a wave of energy that blankets the planet and like now nothing will turn on anymore which is why they can use these suits these suits don't have their own power supply they're powered by green lantern rings and I love, like, so, some of the best artwork in this issue are the shots of Koyos being a giant, just crazy monster. Like, the first shot of the Oa section, and then, like, when he's, he's like, building up to let out that wave of energy. And then when he does it, the, the green light blanketing the planet makes the whole thing look like his head for a second and like yes. the united planets ships are in orbit they're like what the hell is that <laughs> yeah that was that was a cool it's like kind of like a warped version of mogo and ego all combined into one yeah and i love like as far as i'm concerned the best page of art in this entire thing it's it's a uh, two pages before the justice league show up that full page spread of koyos just like screaming now as like the power coming out of him like like disintegrates all these buildings and like sends all the lanterns flying backwards like just so cool yes it it is that is a great splash page like i look at this page and i'm like this is still the same run of the same book where we're like we're like man why can't they draw heads good and it's like it's insane that this is like in the same story arc well different artists can make a difference i suppose (laughs) (laughs) i'm curious about green lantern 11 i want to say this this one i'm kind of middle of the road on this issue i but i want to i want to see i want to see the payoff and i and obviously it's it's about time for the story in the first part of the book and the story for the second part of the book to come together yeah, I actually wonder, like, once once John and everybody are out of the dark sector, will they abandon that that uh, convention or will they continue it because we're just going to keep following a bunch of characters? Like, supposedly, the plan is to bring in, catch up with uh, Kyle and Guy in the second arc of this run. So is it going to be like, oh, here's John doing his his weird John stuff on Oa. Well, like here's, here's uh, the Vega system where Kyle is doing his Kyle in business. Or is it going to be like a more conventional, like Green Lantern core style 
thing where it's more like more interspersed with each other? That's a good question. It can definitely go either way, but you would assume that John, you know, I find it hard to believe that John's going to be like completely pushed to the back burner. So unless John's go, unless John's going to play, have an active role in going to going to find them, <laughs> seeking them out and, and, and whatever, sto- and whatever story is going to focus on Kyle and guy, if we assume that's what's going to happen, John will be a part of that story in some way, shape or form. That's a, that's another possibility, but we really we may have a better idea of that too once we see what the status quo is of the Green Lantern yeah. Corps at once this arc wraps up. I mean, even if John lo- like briefly loses his current level because like he's not going to keep all of the power he just absorbed, he's he at least has a moment where like oh I can perceive everything like like he could learn where anyone in the universe is like like we could see him like okay you guys remember when i was god for for a few minutes well i know i know give me a pen and paper i know where all of the surviving green lanterns are let me just write this down okay we're gonna go find them you you go get them now you go get them yeah that could be like what puts us on the trail of like like this is that's how we get back some fan favorite characters who were not confirmed dead that's how you you center the story on the return of of Kyle and Guy, you know. Yeah, I, I could I could I could absolutely definitely see that because even if he doesn't keep this like you mentioned this level of ascension, the fact that 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 the guardian switch was flipped back on in him should still be there. Yeah, and so it's a really kind of I don't know if I'd call it clever, but it's like a it's a good setup where John was already ascended to guardian status before absorbing the power of the god storm which means even if he loses his godlike power it just means he goes back down to guardian status so it's not like it's it's not like oh we brought john up to godhood just to bring him back down to a regular green lantern again like i don't think he goes back to being a regular green lantern anytime soon after I mean, unless unless the Thorn Run is over after issue twelve, <laughs> I don't I don't think John is going to go back to being a regular Green Lantern for at least like another year. Be, like before, like like he will lose this amount of power because you have to ramp up to that gradually, or no challenge will exist. But um, yeah, I think I think we're going we're going to see a lot more exploration of what all of this change has meant for him. I would agree with that. Unless, <laughs> so I don't know if you saw this, but today DC uh, teased, like they haven't done their solicitations yet for the month, but they're getting ready to. And they they teased that the, I guess the final issue of the current Justice League series, because I guess they're going to reboot that or something, is going to involve the death of a bunch of members of the Justice League including like Batman and and uh, like Batman, Wonder Woman, like all there's a bunch of coffins and one of them is a Green Lantern coffin. And like this in attendance, the superheroes in attendance at the funeral are, are like Hal is there and Kyle and Simon and Jessica and like all the variant covers show like, oh, John is with the league. So like <laughs> maybe who knows, maybe Thorne's run is ending and John Stewart is dying, and, and you know, none of this will happen. 
Yeah, that would be that would that would be DC at its finest these days, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> the best part is like Jeffrey Thorne is on Twitter and people are asking him like, "Hey, what does this mean for your John for your John Stewart story?" And he's like, "I just found out about this today," and has like a shrugging emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so in one book, DC is making John Stewart into a very alive ascended deity. And in another book, he's a regular Green Lantern who's getting murdered. Well, that's what happens when continuity means nothing anymore. <laughs> it means nothing and everything. What? Shut up! Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That might have been a nice... I wonder... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you... I, I was... no go ahead. Yeah, I wonder what Chad thinks. I wonder what Chad thinks of this issue. <laughs> I know. It's al- It's almost like we should take a... We don't want to do it for too long, but I'm trying. But I think he probably well, he appreciates the art that you know that because Rainey's not in it. We know that's a given. Um, yeah, it would be, it would be curious to see what what I I think he would probably pick up on some of the convenience things or overly convenient things that happen in this issue related to uh, mysteries and I don't know. I have a hard time believing he really loved the issue, but they, because he hasn't loved the book. He hasn't been in love with the book, so I don't think this one issue is gonna is gonna sway him. It's kind of like it's kind of like up to this point. If you if you've been watching the book of Boba Fett, how how it isn't oh. all that it isn't all that great. So even though it, the last three episodes might be, it may not necessarily change a lot of people's minds at the overall body of work. <laughs> but this is a little I'm, closer I'm, to the end. I mean, I'm behind by one episode of the book of Boba. Fett. I've seen the first three. I haven't seen the fourth. It doesn't change the tone all that much. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like on a scale of one to five, if three is exactly average, that's like a two, two and a half. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say, which is not really, it's again, by the time this comes out, you would have watched it and it wouldn't be a spoiler anyway, but it's not going to be a real spoiler. It's just the fact that the framing device for how we why we were getting all these flashbacks that if you're ta- if you're going to take a character at face value and something they say in this in episode four it is reason to believe we're not going to be getting as many flashbacks and going forward for five for episodes five six and seven based on okay yes so that is something to look forward to it seems like it's going to be everything these current storyline which has been pretty much ignored at least I would say 75 to 25, how it's been back has been flashbacks, including episode four is heavy in flashbacks that I think in episodes five, six and seven, it'll be mostly dealing with the current storyline and the resolution thereof. And that's probably when they're going to be bringing in the cameos that they're hoping will salvage the season, whether it will or not. <laughs> Who knows? Well, it's funny, right? Like Book of Boa Fett is basically this Green Lantern run where every Every installment is split between two different storylines in two different time periods, basically. And neither one is neither one of them advances very far per episode. And at the end, here comes a bunch of guest stars. It's actually good. Yes. And it's funny because I did I did see some I did see some some room for comparison or analogy between between that because it, it, it is similar it's like they were they were telling two different stories in a different times but even though it's hard to honestly through four episodes of boba fett it's, it's hard to say that the current storyline that boba fett is involved in has ever been actually more interesting than the 
any of the backstory. But at least in, the, in this run, in this book, they've alternated between there were times when the, the John Stewart part was the better part of the book. And then there were other times when the non-John Stewart part was the better or more interesting part of the book. And they've kind of gone back and forth on that. But yeah, I would I would say that uh, not to go off too much on a Boba Fett tangent <laughs> before we wrap up. But yeah, I, I would agree with you that so far, me having seen the fourth episode and you still having to see it, it is it's not horrible. It's not I can't even say it's 100 percent boring. It's just very slow in moving the plot forward. And it's. The question that comes to mind, I know a lot of people have asked, including Jim, it's like, what what is the purpose? Why, why, why do we really need this other than, yes, we know that there's going to be tie-ins to other characters and then Filoni-verse and, and probably, you know, there's lots of rumors of, cam- of different characters that are going to have cameos in the last, potentially have cameos in the last three episodes. That, what if uh, we made The Mandalorian but worse? <laughs> Well, that's what some people have said that ironically, the Mandalorian as a show was what people imagine what a Boba Fett movie was going to be like when, when there was supposed to be one. And that's what people imagined. If something like that is what they imagined it would be like. And then the Mandalorian kind of like Boba Fetted Boba Fett, except last season, they made Boba Fett interesting, which for me was not intro was cool. Because I don't like, I never liked Boba Fett. I was never infatuated with Boba Fett. I I never understood why people were infatuated because he didn't do any other than other than outthinking Han Solo when you know when they were dumping the trash. The Star Destroyer was dumping the trash and and reading and understanding Han Solo or just using his intellect to figure out Han Solo will probably this is something Han Solo would, might try. He doesn't really do anything that cool in the original trilogy. Yeah. And I'm the same. Like I, I never. I, I always figured there must be some book or something out there that makes him the coolest guy in the universe because he shows up, he does nothing. He's there for five minutes. Like he's most notable for wearing a cool outfit, and then he dies. Like yes. why is he popular? I don't understand. <laughs> and and he doesn't exactly go out in the blaze of glory when he and when he quote unquote died. You know when we thought he died in, in Jedi. That that's not exact. He, he kind of he, he didn't he didn't go out in the most heroic or manly way possible either. Uh, it was more like a comic. You know, it was a comic moment when he died. He 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 was to like I always refer I have referred to him as the Captain Phasma of the original trilogy because he yeah. looks he looks really cool. And while some people disagree, I thought he became more interesting at least by default when we found out about Django Fett and we found out about hey technically speaking you know he because he's a clone of his father that you know he's the, he is the genetic template of the entire army of the republic that they used during the clone wars god yeah i always forget about that 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 is from the coolest and the fact that i thought Django Fett was a pretty cool character and and the fact that he he had to be pretty badass for them to you know for the whole machinations there with Palpatine and Dooku to use this guy. We want this, we want this guy to be the source material for the, for the army of the Republic that, but uh, yeah, and they made him the, cool. And then they bring, and then they come back to this season and then it's like, okay, everything that you, almost everything you showed last year to make him cool. is like, you've taken away from, from people for, for the first four episodes. I mean, the first three episodes of this show have been like, like the adventures of Fennec Shan and her friend Boba Fett. Like she's the best character in the show. Like I, like I would like this to just be a launching pad to just give her a mini series. 
I would agree. She is. She is, you know, in a way she, again, she's out Boba Fetting Boba Fett too, because she's, she's the one make being, making all the hard decisions and she's the one who's not, not taking any crap. So yeah. that episode four has some cool moments in it. I, it's, it's probably better than episode three, but it's not, a, but it, it just sets the stage where you would think if there's any hope this season's going to turn around and, and end on a positive note, episode five has to be significantly better based on where everything is left at the end of this and the hint and the hint at the end of five of what's, co- of what's coming. It's like, it's gotta, be, we gotta have some pe- four, excuse me, what's coming that, that payoff going to be, I think there's only seven. Okay. So it's, we're, so we're pretty much <laughs> down to five, six and seven to see if there's enough to salvage. I am really glad that between the star Wars shows and the Marvel shows, they're embracing one of the best ideas about, streaming series which is they can be however the hell long they need to be like the number of episodes can be whatever they want and the length of each individual episode can be whatever they want like they uh, they'll they'll tend to stay pretty uniform but like you'll have some of them and like like wandavision especially did this and they might have done it just to go with the conceit of the uh the tv show thing where like the, they start out with like 20 minute, 23 minute episodes, and then ex- they got longer and longer as as the format shifted. And like, I like doing that. I like the fact that they're not constrained by by like time conventions of broadcast television anymore. Or they, and they don't have to think about ad breaks. They don't have to fit into time slots. So they can just make the thing they want to make, and it is however long it is. I generally agree with that. I do think when you have a lot of a very large discrepancies between running times and episodes. Now, again, you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. If you do something like Wandavision, where you start off with relatively short episodes, and then as you go, and, but then you're consistently once you get past the first couple of episodes, then you're gaining and you're gaining and you're gaining, and that's a little different than when you kind of like hop, skip, and jump and go back and forth. And I think one of the things that one of the issues with for me for Boba Fett for four episodes is I think we only have one episode that's over 50 minutes so far, and that was what episode two, I believe. We've had two episodes under 40. And I think last I think last night's was close to 50. I want to say I thought it was like maybe like 48 minutes, 49 minutes. But when there's a whole bunch of variation in it, I think that I don't I don't understand that. And especially when you have a when you have a short number of episodes, then it then it then it's I think there's something to be said for a little when you at least know what you're getting, that you know that you at least know if it's supposed to be a drama, which would normally be like a quote unquote an hour show on network television, there's a reasonable expectation you're gonna have at least like a like a 40, 45 minute episode at least, because if it was on network television, you'd have like about I think at least 48 minutes, even with the commercial. We know it's yeah, fair in a in a perfect world, every series every episode of every serialized show would be its own neat little package that stands perfectly well on its own while still connecting to what came before it and comes after it. At which point the runtime would be determined entirely by like, what do you have to communicate in this slice of it? And if you, if you see like, Oh, this one is 50 minutes in, in a a series that usually runs like 30 to 40 minutes, that means something like important must happen here that could only happen in this chapter. 
And with at least in the case of Boba Fett, I don't really think that's been the case. Like a lot of times, like I think the longest episode of Hawkeye was the final episode because that is your that's where everything comes to a head. Right. That's where it has the most spectacle. It has the biggest action set piece. And and again, like with WandaVision, the reason it started out as shorter episodes is because it was mimicking conventional like traditional classic sitcoms that ran for that length. And it got longer as it started to mirror, you know, more like, quote unquote, prestige television. And then it just became its own blowout blockbuster finish, which ran for like an hour or something. I And I never have an issue with last episodes being longer because I think that I think people expect that as far as I'm a streaming or a cable show. People expect that. Obviously, network television, unless it's a special episode or, the, or a series finale, you know, episode 23 is going to be the same length as episode two but in streaming and stuff you do expect the last episode so i have no i really have no issue if the first episode and the last episode tend to be the longest ones but it, it when you only have seven episodes it's tough to be spitting out you know 38 minute episodes yeah that's tough especially in a show like um, this if it was you know if it's like if it's more if it's supposed to be more like a if it's like more animated, if it was like the you know the the Bad Batch did stuff like that too. I think that the the, the first episode of the Bad Batch was pretty long, but most of the most of the episodes weren't that long. And it's like okay, that makes sense. You're trying to make an impression. You're but I don't I don't think I don't think that's helped uh, that's helped Boba Fett either up to this point. I think the the inconsistency <clears throat> and the fact that yeah, so much time is being spent in flashbacks, and two of the first three episodes were very were relatively short. I think that's I think that's part been part part of the issue it'll be questions interesting to see how it sticks the landing and how that affects the overall view that people are having with the show compared yeah, to what they have could, now because again like just like with this run of green lantern i i'm what i'm waiting to see if like when when the arc is over will we look back on book book of boba fett and say like you know actually that was pretty good it, it, it all came together I, I keep seeing i keep asking people in my videos like hey if you're trade waiting on this or you're just letting them pile up and reading them together let me know how it reads because like i my perception of this for most of the last year is that the story going on in green lantern has been moving really slow and but then like when i go back to and actually look at like okay what actually happened what all happened in this one issue and then what all happened in the next issue and the next one you realize like oh like this story is actually moving pretty fast like we don't it, it feels like it's not because we're getting like half as much of it per issue but like the John Stewart story has been it's been pretty steadily sprinting along from the moment that the god i forget the canary raiders showed up and it's been like it's some of it has been like like painfully utilitarian to get us from point a to point b as fast as possible but like that story has been flying by when you actually just take stock of like all right what were the actual what were the events and story beats that happened in this issue because there's things i can't I'm struggling to think of an example off the top of my head, but there are things in this run that I would have sworn had like two or three issues between them. And actually it was one issue after the other. 
because it's like in my head it's spread it's so spread out so i i feel like a part of me wants to go back and just reread this whole arc when it's over in one sitting to see how it reads because like this we might just be falling victim to like a uh a uh works better as a trade situation although the work although not literally because the first trade of this came out and it's just the first four issues because they also included future state green lantern one and two in there so it's like oh god put in another one come on get this get this all out there at once I do agree with the pacing. I think the John Stewart stuff has picked up the pace and I'm and the fact that once they moved away from the Canary Raider part of the storyline, I think it's as I think it's certainly become more interesting to me, probably because I didn't think that was particularly interesting in fu- in the future state mini that I, I I'm glad they kind of that wasn't like the focus of the John Stewart story. But yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I don't I don't I don't necessarily think the pacing is the problem at this stage of the game. Maybe not in that part of the story. Maybe you can make a case in the second part of the story since ever since they kind of peaked with Sinestro, it's kind of been like dragging their feet. It seems like they really, they didn't have nearly as much story to tell in the back end. And they've been trying to make it work to stretch it out until the stories converge again. But well, we'll see soon. Two more issues, two more issues. Indeed. I'm kind of God. I don't know what to do. Cause like, Probably by the time this goes out, DC's next wave of solicitations are going to be out there. And that's going to include Green Lantern 13. And I'm like, do I look at it? I don't know. Yeah, that is is true. (laughs) But you're right. At least it will will answer the question on whether... uh, Just tell me who the writer is. (laughs) And whether Thorin lives to see another day. He probably will. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I meant on the book, Dan. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't mean like they have him at the guillotine taking a poll, taking a Twitter poll. He's, he's the one in that Green Lantern coffin <laughs> over in Justice League? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Might be Jeff Johns at this stage of the game. <laughs> God. All right, Dan, what you what do you have? Oh, am I plugging now? <laughs> if you want to, I assume you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you... If you are listening to this and you don't already know, I also run a Green Lantern YouTube channel called Mosaic Comics. Uh, you can get to that by going to youtube.com slash C slash Mosaic Comics. Uh, or just like go to YouTube and search for the Gold Lantern. I'm like the top thing that comes up. <laughs> um, basically, I just to sell, I needed a a project to help me not lose my mind during lockdown for COVID and and I decided to to try out making uh, analytical YouTube videos about my favorite thing. So I've been co- I've been zigzagging back and forth across all of Green Lantern history. Sometimes covering new stuff, sometimes digging into weird, obscure stuff. And actually, because uh, you guys mentioned a couple episodes ago things that you have in the works i'll let everybody know here that in addition to following current events i'm currently working on two episodes one that dives into my top 10 green lantern runs of all time and one that uh the tentative title is your favorite character will be back it's where Mm -hmm. i take a look at the the ongoing discourse of people feeling that their 
favorite Green Lantern protagonists are being slighted or disrespected or going unused for for a ridiculous amount of time. And I actually look at the dates of like, hey, how how long has a character like Kyle Rayner actually been out of the spotlight? And how does that compare to how long he's been in continuous use since his creation? You know, I have I, I this was partially inspired by like, I think a conversation we had on an episode of this show a few months ago where it's like, I, I don't even remember what we were replying to it. I think it was a, a listener wrote in talking about focusing on like the different lanterns or whatever. And it made me think about like, well, I don't think there's anything really to worry about. So let's see if I'm right or wrong or not. And I don't know. It's I'm probably doing a terrible job of selling it. it is a very long script, and I think it gets to to the heart of what makes me love Green Lantern so much. By the time we get to the end of it, so if any of that rambling sounds remotely good to you, go to YouTube, find Mosaic Comics, watch some videos. Hopefully, you find something you like, and if you do, watch another one and tell your friends about it. Very nice. Very nicely done. I guess I'll give our, for those who care, I guess I'll give our, 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 <laughs> our spiel. <laughs> lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. Whichever platforms you've listened to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708-LANTERN is the number. 708-LANTERN. And let us know what you think. And, de- and depending on how things go, you might be back for the next recording if, we're, if the future Lanterns one actually turns out to be the next thing we do. Oh, God, yeah. I have to finish my my reading based on what I, some of the stuff that he's thrown on the server I have. So yeah, I will be. I will, so I will be. Agent. I will. So I will able, be able to participate even ever so slightly in that conversation that you and Chad will be having. <laughs> Boy, it's like we'll go off for twenty minutes about something, and then you'll be like, "Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. That'd be funny just to like have a recorded, just the same line recorded, and just like keep cutting it into the into the recording. Yeah, man. Yeah. Make a I, make a make a mark soundboard that we have buttons on. It's like yeah. I concur. I concur. Concur. <laughs> All right. I think I think that's it for us. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.